Now, once again, this morning, I want to begin and just share and reiterate that this was not my idea, this sermon series. I, I got it from another church and another pastor, and I'm borrowing and, and stealing and, and using a lot of the things that they used in their messages because I think that they are valuable and important and, and true as well, many of the things that he said. So with that caveat out of the way, raise a hand. Who are my dog people here? You love dogs, have a dog, uh, or you just... you look. Right? Dogs are your thing. Okay. Now, those of you who raise your hands, I may offend some of you here in a bit. So I'm just giving you fair warning that this might be offensive to you. Now, me personally, I don't know what your personal take is. But me personally, I like big dogs. Right? Now, I know some people, they, they like little dogs. And if you're a little dog person, then watch out. I may offend you here in my illustration. But that's not the point. It's just an illustration. But let's just say that you invite me over to your house and I'm coming over to your house and I'm hoping that I'm going to be able to do this with many of you over the next few months, uh, get a chance to really get to know you better. But let's say you invite me over to your house and I ring the doorbell and you have a chihuahua named Sparky. And as soon as I ring the doorbell, you know, Sparky starts going nuts. You open the door and then Sparky really starts going nuts, right? He is barking, he is growling, he's snarling, he's slinging his slobber to the very best of his five-pound ability. Now me, I'm not worried, right? I'm 6'1", my shoe's not that big, but it's a size 11, and if Sparky became a problem for me, I could stomp on him or drop kick him, and it would be no problem anymore, right? Well, let's switch it up. Let's say I come to your house, and instead of Sparky the Chihuahua, you own a Rottweiler named Fluffy. And when I ring the doorbell and I open the door, then Fluffy goes nuts, and Fluffy barks, and he growls, and he snarls, and he's slinging his slobber, and he's making his stand as the guardian of your home. I'm still 6'1". I still have a size 11 shoe, but you better believe that I am going to respond and react differently to Fluffy than I did to Sparky. Because Fluffy's 160 pounds, he's got teeth, and he looks like he means business. Right? Now, of course, we're not here today to talk about dogs. We're here to talk about our God. But as you think about God, it's really important that you understand and you appreciate that the way in which you approach God is incredibly important. So for some of you, maybe God to you is incredibly personal. You know, God is someone that you feel like you can, you can cuddle up next to. And you know that he loves and he cares about you. You know how much he wants to be invested in your life. And as much as you know how much God loves and he cares for you, maybe that's the only way you think about God. Maybe God is a little bit like Sparky to you. He's cute and he's cuddly and you know that he loves you, but there isn't very much there in the sense of awe 
a reverence. That, that as you view God, you see that love and the care and the compassion, but you don't think about any kind of authority or power or even bite that God might have. And so while you say that you love God very deeply, maybe there's a little lack of reverence and awe. A little bit like Sparky, cute, cuddly, but dismissible. And then for some of you, maybe God is a little bit more like Fluffy. God is a God who stands with imposing presence. He's all about power, and, and he barks, and he growls. That God for you is a God who, who has that incredible authority, but he's distant. And so you keep your distance too. You see, our minds tend to lean one way or another. We, we may lean more towards seeing God as compassionate, full of grace, but we don't recognize the authority and the power and the reverence he has or that we should have for him. Or, or maybe we see him as full of authority and, and power and we revere him, but we don't feel he's very personally connected into our lives. But as we come to the words of the Apostles' Creed, as we come to this next phrase, it really helps us to have that symmetry, that balance in our life of faith. It also helps us to have some incredible clarity as far as who God is and how God engages in our lives. Because the next phrase of the Creed, after I believe, is God the Father Almighty. And so the creed reminds us that God is both infinitely powerful, almighty, but also intensely personal, our Father. And this is exactly what Jesus showed as he taught his disciples how to pray. And so through this familiar prayer that we have now learned to, to love and we, we say so often and we know these phrases, as Jesus teaches this prayer, each and every one of these phrases as well, it points us to see how God is both infinitely powerful and intensely personal. Jesus begins, our Father in heaven. God is personal. We call him our Father. We, we can approach him as his dear children. There is so much in the way of compassion and care when we recognize that God is our Father. But he's also infinitely powerful because he is our Father in heaven. God rules from his throne seated in the heavens. He rules over all creation, all of creation that he himself has formed. And in all of his creation, there is nothing that he cannot do. 
And so, we ought to revere him. We ought to recognize that he is holy, and that is why Jesus then tells us to pray, hallowed be your name. God and his name, they are incredibly holy all by themselves, but we desire that we also keep it holy. We desire that with every word that we speak, with every action that we take, reverence for God would be visible and audible in our life. Just as we ought to have our focus on God's kingdom and God's will, as Jesus continues, that's what we pray. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And in those three phrases combined together, we get that symmetry, we get that clarity so that we live with reverence and honor and awe for our God. His kingdom will come. No matter if we take our stand against it, no matter if we reject it, if we try to push it aside, no matter if we are a part of that kingdom or not, God's kingdom will come. His will will be done. No matter what our wills are, no matter what our desires are, God's will will be done. Infinitely powerful. But also in those three phrases, we see also how God is intensely personal as well. Because as God's kingdom comes, it comes when people, people like you and me, when we are brought into that kingdom through God's intensely personal work, through the intensely personal work of the Holy Spirit, through the Word, turning our hearts back to God. God's kingdom comes when, when people, men and women, realize that they have been bought by the blood of Jesus. That Christ has saved them from all their sins. That they are forgiven. That God is their dear Father. God's kingdom comes as they conform their lives to that will of God. And as we conform our lives to the will of God, then things like, like evil, anger, hate, jealousy, envy, murder, wrath, those things fade out of our lives. God is also intensely personal. And the next phrase that Jesus teaches us, it appeals both to God's power and his personal nature. Jesus says, give us today our daily bread. We ask God to provide for each and every day, each day individually, so that each and every day we rely on and we trust in God. But it also tells us that we rely and trust on his almighty power to provide. But not only do we trust in God, but we also recognize that, yes, God is concerned about each and every day of our lives. He is intensely personal. He cares about every single moment. Every single day that you live, He is there to provide. And that doesn't mean that He's going to give us everything that we want. 
So again, this might be something that offends you. But it is only a selfish, self-centered father who says yes to everything. A good father is willing to say no. A good father is willing to say, no, I will be the killjoy here because I want to protect you. No, I I will absorb your anger so that you know my care and my concern. No, I will be hated even by you so that you can know deep, true love. And our God is that kind of good father. He's the kind of father who's going to say no at times because he knows better than us. He knows what is best for us. And so sometimes he's going to say no. Now, if you're over the age of 20 and you're you're sitting in this room, you can probably look back at your life with some gained wisdom and maturity. And you can probably think of times when you would say, oh, thank you, God, for saying no. Thank you, God, for saying no then. And thank you, God, for saying no to that. Thank you, God, for saying no sophomore year. Or saying no when I would have made a disastrous choice. Or for saying no because then I wouldn't have relied fully and completely on you, but instead on myself. And give thanks for the times that God even says no to us because he knows what is best for us. He is infinitely powerful, but also intensely personal. And so for us to to go to God and and try to tell God what, what we want, what we need, what is best for us, it's a little bit like when my two year old daughter comes and tells me what she needs and what is best for her. Sometimes cute, but very foolish. I just know better. I'm her dad, and I care for her. And so does God. And as Jesus continues with his prayer, it again is intensely personal as he says, forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. God has let go of all of our debts. He doesn't make us pay them, but he has placed those debts on his own son, Jesus Christ. And that is intensely personal because each and every one of those debts is a debt that we have accrued to God himself and against God himself. It's directly against him that we have sinned and piled up this load of debt. But this is how intensely personal he is. He sent his own son, Jesus, to take all of that debt on himself. He sent his own son, Jesus, to take every single time that we called the holiness of God's name into question, or every single time that by our actions, by our work in the world, then we called it into question in the eyes of the world. Every single time that we fought for our will to be done instead of God's will, 
For every single time that we wanted our kingdom to come and not God's, Jesus came and he took all of that on himself. He took it to the cross and there he died for it. It's all been paid completely by Jesus on the cross. That's how personal God is. Because he cares so deeply for us. And let's just, let's just imagine for a moment what that's like. We'll keep it in, in the realm of money since that's the illustration that Jesus himself used with his language. So let's just imagine that you had a stranger. Not a stranger, actually. Can't be a stranger. Because a stranger, you don't know what they've done with their life. You don't know anything about them. So let's make it more personal. Your own brother or sister. Your own brother or sister who has completely disregarded your family, disavowed even ever knowing you, has completely thrust aside all of the, the values that your family holds too deeply, has abandoned you, haven't spoken to this brother or sister in ages, they've spit in your face more times than you can imagine, and that brother or sister comes to you and says, asks for your help. Asks you to assume for them a $360 million debt. Would you love that brother or sister enough to do that? And the amazing thing is, is that we never even approached God with such a preposterous preposition. No, God came to us with the preposterous but also precious proposition. That He would take all of our debt and He would forgive it through Jesus Christ, our Savior. That's how personal and how powerful our God is. We see his great power in forgiveness. And so when God calls us then to forgive others, he's also intensely personal. He, he knows how hard it is to forgive. He watched his own son suffer for forgiveness. And so when we fail to forgive, when, when we want to hold a grudge, when we want people to pay for what they've done, they've done then God floods us again, with the compassion he has shown in Christ. He floods our hearts again with the incredible grace and mercy shown in Jesus Christ. And as that incredible compassion floods our hearts, it compels forth our forgiveness of others. He gives us the power to forgive. Finally, in this prayer, Jesus tells us to pray, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. We ask God, our Heavenly Father, to intervene, to, to stop us from going into evil, to stop us from following after temptation. We ask Him to say no to us. And sometimes the way that God will do this, because He's so intensely personal, is sometimes He's going to out us. Sometimes he will expose us. He will expose our deepest, darkest, most, most shameful sins in order to call us back to himself. To lead us away from evil. Because shame 
an embarrassment, an emotional pain that we might feel for that moment, even for our entire earthly lifetime, is not as bad as feeling that shame and that embarrassment and that emotional pain for all eternity. And so sometimes God is going to to expose us because he cares that deeply for you, because he is not willing that you be lost. He'll expose it to call you forth to repentance that he might shower you with forgiveness. When we feel that intense shame because our spouse or a family member or our church family knows about our sin, our weakness, our struggles, it's really an opportunity. Maybe that's God calling us forth, leading us from evil, leading us away from temptation leading us to turn to him for strength and encouragement. Because if we don't, ultimately, it's not just our earthly relationships that will be crushed and destroyed, but our eternal relationship with God, our Father. And God is not willing to lose you. He will do whatever it takes to keep you in his family. He is your intensely personal Father. So you can think about that. What has God maybe sent into your life to keep you from evil? He sends his word. He sends fellow believers. He sends maybe a trusted Christian to whom you can turn. Someone that you can go to and you can say, I need your help. I'm struggling with this. I need to tell you about this temptation so that you can remind me that I am forgiven in Christ, so that you can remind me that I have power in Jesus and God, my Heavenly Father, to turn away. Take advantage of everything that God has given you to lead you away from evil, to lead you away from temptation and keep you in his family. So do you have this symmetry and this clarity when you think of God, your heavenly father? He's not sparky, a little five-pound chihuahua. He's not fluffy, 160-pound Rottweiler with bite. But your God is your Heavenly Father, both infinitely powerful and intensely personal. And as we think about God as our Heavenly Father, maybe for some of us there's some baggage that we got to unload. Maybe it's hard for you to think about God as this perfect Father because maybe, maybe your Father was far from perfect. Maybe your father did some awful things, some terrible things to you or to your mom or to your brothers and sisters. Maybe your father was never there for you. Maybe your father abandoned you. Maybe you don't know what it's like to have a loving father and there's that baggage there and it makes it hard to think of God as a loving father. And come to God Ask him to heal those wounds and those hurts. Ask him to lead you through to see how he is your perfect Heavenly Father. For others of us, we had good fathers. And maybe for us, they were more the the disciplinarian, they were the authority figure. Maybe they were more of a friend, and sometimes they said yes when they should have said no. They weren't perfect fathers either. But we celebrate them, 
We celebrate the blessing that they were to us. We celebrate today. And as we celebrate our earthly fathers, we also celebrate God the Father Almighty. Our Heavenly Father who is both infinitely powerful and intensely personal. Amen. Amen.